Thank you for joining us here today at Calvary Church, where we are committed to loving God and loving people. If you have any questions or want to learn more about who we are, visit us online at calvary.ca. Now let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, Steve McDonald. Welcome back to episode two of our new relationship status series. As we take a closer look at God's heart and his intent for all of our relationships. Now, your relationship status is simply how you identify your relationship with someone else. And whether you're single or married, you have a relationship status. And likely, more than one of them. And as social beings, we share different types of relationships, like friendships, partnerships, family relationships, romantic relationships, and our focus today, which is marriage, and how marriage not only affects those who are actually married, but all of us uh, in our understanding of even our own relationship with God. We were all created for connection, and God in his infinite wisdom gave us the word to guide us on how to successfully live in community. And so our series is designed to help us see how our relationship with God affects every other relationship status that we have, regardless of of what that looks like. Now, Jerry Seinfeld once said, I didn't know every day I would be discussing the tone of my voice with my wife. I thought it was a marriage. Apparently, it's a musical. Well, sometimes our marriages seem like a bit of a song and dance. Uh, As a matter of fact, I can identify with that myself. And you know what? Having a Mandarin campus here at Calvary, I have learned over the years how challenging this language is to learn. Even the basics, as I try to, to do some of those basics. And depending on your tone, an innocent greeting, if it's not said the right way and with the right tone, could come off as very offensive. And the same can be true in marriage. There are times in our own marriage, in my marriage, Susan and I, when a simple question can spiral out of control very quickly. We often say to one another uh, as we get into it, hey, what did you mean when you said that? To which the other person responds, "What? what? What do you mean? What did I say? I didn't say anything. Now, I'm going to tell you a story because I think this is a perfect example of what I've just said. But please understand that this story is being told with the express permission of my beautiful bride. A few weeks ago, Susan and I were uh, at home. She was working away on her computer and I was on the couch looking at my, my phone. And she just said, kind of out of nowhere, hey, I ordered HelloFresh. Now, here's how I think I responded to what she said. You ordered HelloFresh? That's, in my mind, what I said. But here's the tone Susan heard. You ordered HelloFresh? Like I was upset, like I was ticked off and, and angry that she ordered it. And, uh, and then she said to me, why did you say it like that? With that look on your face. I'm like, ah, what, what are you talking about? What look? I didn't say any, anything. I, didn't, I don't have any kind of a look on my face. But that's how it goes. And so the spiral had begun. Now, there were no judges present to kind of make the call. So we'll have to leave it to personal interpretation of how it was really said. 
But I will say this, that after waiting a little while for the dust to settle and posing my next question, I looked right out the window in the opposite direction of Susan and I said as nicely as I could, uh, what did you order from HelloFresh? And I made sure that my tone and my face wasn't saying the wrong thing. And so she turned around and when she saw that I was looking in the other direction, we both kind of burst out laughing when she saw me uh, looking away to ensure that things didn't spiral once again. You know, laughter is still a medicine that we take regularly in our relationship with a, an ongoing refillable prescription. Now, just for a show of hands and you at home on our broadcast, we'll just have to kind of play along because there's not as many people in your room as there are here today. But, but just, just to kind of get a, a bit of a feel of the room, how many of you today are married? Just put up your hands. Excellent. Some of you look more excited about that than others. Now, how many of you are not married? Okay, good. Now, keep your hands up a little bit, all right? Now, now just look around the room a little bit with, to, to see who, who's got their hands up because maybe, just maybe, there's a bit of a, a love match in the room for you today. Who needs a dating app when you can come to church on Sunday and, and see what, what God has brought into your life, potentially? You know, I pray today that this message will not only build marriages, but if you're not married, maybe this teaching can serve as a foundational uh, teaching on marriages still to come, or that these truths will also help you build the relationships you have in your life right now with your children or with your, your friends. So let's jump into the Word of God together and see what God says about marriage, and we're going to start with Genesis chapter 2. Now, the context here is that in the beginning, God created the world, he created man, and he says it's not good for man to be alone. Gentlemen, how many know we're not good when we're left alone for too long? So God, in his infinite wisdom, brought Adam a suitable helper. He brought him a partner in this moment. So let's look at this together. Genesis 2 22 to 24, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man, and the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, I want you to circle or highlight that word united because we're gonna come back to that in just a minute. Now, throughout scripture, uh, the Bible reveals some important parallels between Christ and his church and a bride and her groom as it relates to our relationship. So just like a, a bride is clothed in that stunning white dress when she says yes to the dress, so you and I need to understand, and it's important to, to see it, that we as his church, as his bride, are to be clothed in his power, in his faithfulness, his love, and his joy. And the honeymoon phase of a newlyweds relationship should reflect the passion of that love, the love that brought those two people together, and how important it is in our lives to, to recapture that passion as the years pass, and that excitement that we once experienced when we were kind of after one another, pursuing one another, uh, with this relationship. 
that we value most in our lives outside of our relationship with Christ. But the marriage itself, it speaks to that fully committed relationship status that we talked about last week. That God was fully committed in his plan to save us, to send his son. And that now he's looking for fully committed followers of Christ. And so out of that relationship flows our ability to be fully, fully committed to another person, especially within the context of marriage. And making that kind of commitment is also all about accepting one another's weirdness. You know, we're, we're not perfect. We're all a little bit odd in our own special way. Proverbs 17, says a cheerful heart is a, is a good medicine. And I'll tell you what, we've always shared in our marriage a good sense of humor. And I believe that to this day, it's still one of the keys that has kept the fun in our relationship over the years. Now, when we did get married, it was a wonderful day, uh, beautiful summer day in August, and we had a big wedding party. And after the ceremony was over, we took everyone to downtown Halifax to the public gardens. Now, for those of you that have ever been to Halifax, uh, you may have seen the public gardens. It's beautiful, flowers and little pond. It's just picturesque. And a lot of people go there for their wedding photos. So we took the whole uh, bridal party to get our photographs uh, done at the public gardens. And so here's, here's a picture uh, that you'll see. This is our wedding party. Uh, again, a big wedding party. Uh, forgive, it's not a, a digital uh, shot. It's probably just a picture I was able to get like out of our, our photo album. But you can get an idea of the day, how beautiful it was. Now, after we took all these lovely group shots and couple shots, I had my best man bring a bag full of uh, Groucho glasses, right? The nose and glasses made famous by the legendary comedian Groucho Marx. And so then we took an, a, a few extra shots of our own wearing these nose and glasses, one of which is still framed and sits on my desk today. Here's what that shot looks like. That's the two lovebirds right there, looking their best. And of course, we didn't want anybody else to feel left out in the process, so we brought enough for the, the groomsmen and the bridesmaids. Here they are in, in all their splendor, looking great in their, their finest attire, as well as uh, uh, a silly-looking face. And uh, it, was, it was fun. It was hilarious. We were all laughing. And after a while, we were attracting a bit of a crowd. The tourists that had visited public gardens on that day were now getting kind of pictures of their own as they saw so many people looking so silly. Now, listen, over time, it's easy to lose ourselves a little bit in the busyness and in the cares of life. It's just a reality. And then one day we wake up and we ask ourselves, what happened to all that fun? What happened to all the passion and the, 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 the fire and the romance? What happened? I think every married couple at some point experiences a moment like this because somewhere along the way, you stopped pursuing one another. You stopped being intentional. There was a time when you pursued and you, you made an effort. You made yourself look good and smell good and, and you presented your best uh, when, you, when you came together with the one that you were pursuing. But I think it's easy. It's easy over time, once we have that relationship in place, to become relationally lazy. We can get that way, too, with our relationship with God, where we begin to kind of take it for granted. Now, 
Think about it. Is there any other area of your life where you can become consistently lazy and still see improvement? Well, the answer we know is no. If you get lazy with, with what you eat, you stop going for a walk regularly, you stop exercising, will you improve your health? No, not at all. If you get lazy in examining the, the data for profitability and stop promoting your business in the, the right spaces, will your business grow and prosper? No. If you get lazy intentionally planning time with the family, planning family vacations where you can all be together, will your family over time thrive? No, it's not going to happen. If you get lazy taking care of your, your yard and you stop mowing the lawn, will you win the Neighbor of the Year award? No, definitely not. But you know what? What's funny in, in marriage is that you can look at someone else's marital yard and think their grass looks a little greener than yours does. But in my experience, if the grass looks greener somewhere else, well, then it's time to start watering your own. Some will still come to me being exhausted by trying everything they know to do and they just want to give up. And they say, Pastor Steve, we just don't love one another anymore. It's not like it used to be. So we think for the sake of everybody involved, we're just going to get a divorce and call it quits. Craig Rochelle once said, to get divorced because you ran out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. If your car runs out of gas, what do you do? You fill up the tank. If your marriage runs out of love or you feel like it's running out of love, what do you do? you got to fill up that love tank, right? So how do we do that? Well, let's go back to the beginning for the answer and back to uh, the verse that we read earlier. In verse 24 of Genesis chapter 2, it says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now, the key word in this verse, the one that I pointed out, is the word united. And it's not always what most people think it is at first glance. Like it's some event where two become one, they come together, like marriage. Now, it can be that, and that's part of it. But there's so much more to understand here. And to really understand it, we need to, to, to understand a little bit more about the Hebrew language. Now, Hebrew words are often like little stories, and it's difficult to translate a Hebrew word into only one or two words in the English language. The Hebrew word here that's translated as united comes from the root word dabak, D-A-B-A-Q, which means to cling or to adhere, like being united together. But it also means to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion. Now that opens it up a little bit more in our understanding of what truly being united with someone is all about. Let me give you two ways to Bach can be translated. The Living Bible translate, translates it like this. Psalm 63:8 says, I follow close behind you. We pursue God with devotion. The King James Version of the Bible translates to Bach as pursued hard. Judges 20, 45 says they pursued hard after them. So listen, think about this. Why is it that you had something special for so many years when you were pursuing one another, and now for some reason you don't? Well, 
Maybe you started to take one another for granted. Maybe you stopped pursuing uh, the one that God gifted and placed within your life. Now, one of the greatest stories of pursuit in Scripture is found in the Old Testament, also back at the beginning of the book. It's when Jacob met a woman that he fell in love with called Rachel. And so Jacob goes to her father Laban and he says, listen, I will work for you for seven years for, for, for Rachel, for your younger daughter. Now that's a true test of love if you're willing to engage yourself in that kind of, of commitment. And so the Bible says that for seven years he worked for her, worked for her father. And scripture says that to him time seemed to pass quickly. Now for some of you, it could be the complete opposite. Maybe it seems like your time, as far as your relationship goes, is in slow motion. That it's just brutal because you're, you're going through difficult times. But for Jacob, his love caused him fee, to feel like the time was just flying by. Genesis 29 verse 20 says, So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. He pursued her. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Now, what Jacob didn't realize is that Rachel also had an older sister named Leah. And after he had served for seven years, the father sent Leah to be with him on his wedding night. Maybe she had a veil on or something, so he didn't quite know who it was. But he basically pulled the old switcheroo and sent in the older daughter instead of the younger daughter who he had pursued. And in the morning, Jacob said, whoa, what, what's going on here? What, what have you done? What have you done? I, I wanted to marry your daughter, Rachel, your younger daughter. To which the father replied, oh, listen, in our culture, uh, you have to marry the older daughter first. Now, what many people think happened next was that the father required Jacob to work another seven years for a total of 14 years before he could marry Rachel. But that's not exactly what happened. The father said, I'll give her to you now, but you have to work for me for another seven years. So what's amazing here is that we recognize that Jacob continued to work for his bride even after he had her. You see, this is a great illustration for so many of us because a lot of us will do whatever it takes to get the person that we love to, to come together, but once we have them, we get relaxed. We stopped pursuing them. And so our hope in Christ for a successful marriage is being united with them, to pursue the one we love even after the years pass, to intentionally invest in one another. So with the month of love, with Valentine's Day, listen, you don't need a day of the year or the month to, to pursue the one that you love. We need to be intentional every day so that our relationship will continue to grow. And you can have all the best of intentions. But listen, good intentions need to move to a place of action where we can truly experience hope united. So good relationships are possible but not probable. The odds are actually stacked against us and our chances are greater of not having great relationships that work, especially if we're going to do it the world's way. You see, using the marriage model Jesus gave us with the relationship between a man and a woman and he and his church, 
we see that there is definitely a clear path for the world's way and for God's way. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So let me give you a few practical truths to move from intention to action in pursuit of healthy relationships in the context of marriage, but in every relationship we have. The first thing that we need to do is we need to become the right person. Let God do a work inside of you so that you bring something healthy to the relationship, not expecting the relationship to bring something to me. God help me, me, to be the best husband, the best father, the best brother, the best son, the best friend, the best pastor that I can possibly be. So bring the best possible version of yourself to the table instead of expecting so much more from somebody else. So the first thing we need to do is to become the right person. Second thing we need to do is to walk in love. Now, instead of falling into love, I walk in it. Love is not just a feeling, it's a choice. It's an action. I choose every day, even when the tone is off and the spiral begins, I choose love. I choose love because that's what sees us through those moments of, of contention. Colossians 3.14 says to put on love. So we actually put it on every day. So you don't just fall into it like a, a ditch. You put it on and walk in it every single day. It's an act of your will, not of your feelings. So number two, walk in love. And then finally, number three, fix your hope on God. Don't fix your hope on a relationship. Don't fix your hope on another person, especially on a person who's not perfect. But fix your hope on a God who is perfect. Pursue him first so that when you do pursue others, that you find that balance that God wants us to have. You cannot make your marriage work. You cannot make your friendships and your family relationships and your business relationships work. You cannot do it on your own. It's only by his strength that we can do all things, as Philippians 4.13 tells us. So let's pray today. Let's pray for the marriages represented in this house. Let's pray today for the marriages represented at home on our online broadcast, wherever you are. Let's pray for the marriages that are, that are still to come, those that are engaged or pursuing the right person. Let's pray for every relationship we have, understanding that we as the church are his bride. And God loves us so much that he gave everything to pursue us. Now may we be committed to that same fully committed relationship status. As we fully commit to him, we can then, in a balanced way, fully commit ourselves to other people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the relationship that you demonstrated. That God, you put everything in place the relationships that we need to bring us strength. We know that for many of us, it's not good for us to be alone, and so we're thankful for the relationships you've brought into our lives. But we pray for those that are single among us, those that have, have chosen to walk that path. I pray that you would strengthen them and keep them. That God, whether it's marriage, friendship, or family relationships, we pray that despite the odds that are set against us, 
We pray, God, that our, our relationships would be healthy, that you would help us to be intentional in their development. And for those that are married here today, I pray, God, a special blessing and strength upon each one of them as they determine to continue to pursue the one that you've brought into their lives, to intentionally uh, show moments of, of love that are not just restricted to a day of the year, but Lord, it would be something that we walk in each and every day of our lives. And may every relationship within our church be strengthened today as we continue to walk through the teaching of your word in this series. We pray that those relationships would continue to grow stronger and stronger day by day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God's best to you, Calvary. We look forward to you being with us again uh, when we come together. Amen.